space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, Sir Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Drag on, drag on, drag on. And we're here to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks, which apparently has the second longest word in a Star Trek episode title. Empathological Fallacies. So I love it. Really bizarre, pointless facts. But who the fuck sat and went through them? That all? was on. That was the official Star Trek Facebook group, and they were like, "Tell us in the comments if you know which one had the longest word." Oh, I love it, but I also think it's insane and, at the same time. It's and brilliant. I'll be honest, I did not click on the comments, so we can have a fun little game. If any of you can think of what the one with the long... We won't take the full hour doing that. Just if you think of it during the course of the show, then we'll uh, go from there. Uh, into It's the episode in spatial uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism. That's the one. Um, and then the other it's episode we're looking at, which is not the longest word, is Fascination from Deep Space Nine. I've got a theory about this one. About the writer specifically. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. we'll get there. Plenty to talk about. Yep, 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 yep. Now, first off the bat, I just want to say I thought this was a bit of a return to form to Lower Decks. Not that it was bad last week, but it just didn't have that extra... It was yeah. all right. It was all right last week. It, it, it was... Wasn't, it, wasn't great. Like, so. it, as we said last week with it, the episode was all right, but Lower Decks has set itself such mm-hmm. a high bar... You can have a, an all right episode of Lower Decks that for other shows you think, yeah, this is great, but you don't think that with Lower Decks because True. so many of the episodes are so high up there. My, my thoughts on this episode is that it was a return to form. I really enjoyed this episode. I love the, uh, I can't forget your name, but the Vulcan character is, is brilliant. Uh, what a great addition to the cast. Yeah. Um, the only thing I did feel is I still, even though it was a much stronger episode, it wasn't as many like I want another one the quick like every second you've got another Star Trek. Yeah, like we had a couple yeah. of episodes where it was quite good on the count, but none have really done what the other series did of really like oh my god like you can't process one reference before another comes up and the like first... the one which they did on the movies like who ever knew they were going to do a specific movie reference one and I want something like that this series. To the really... first episodes with Voyager did that. Yeah, it did. True. But the, the, did, because yeah, we sorry, but because one. we had two episodes to cover because we dropped two at once, we didn't start going which episode are we going to cover, and it actually was quite lucky because we had actually covered so many of the episodes mm. as a laugh that were bad because we used to sort of like try to one good episode or one bad episode so you get the bad episodes out of the way <laughs> i still couldn't believe though you had last week we did naked now which was a perfect partner to the episode mm-hmm. but it's like this one would fit naked now just as well that's so weird but they were very different episodes that was kind of a yeah. well i thought no, this was so i said it's like have we I, naked now haha <laughs> i actually thought when we first started watching this this is our golden opportunity that we should not miss to cover fashion show of Will Riker ever in Angel One. Well, we nearly we, I suggested yeah. Angel One last week because of the matriarchal society, and I honestly thought this was like fate intervening at the start of this episode, yeah. saying we've just come from Angel One. I thought, well, we're gonna have to do Angel One now. I, I, I thought they were off to do some sort of like. I, how it was when it did that so blatantly I thought they were going to have to turn around and go back to Angel 1 because mm. <laughs> why else would you mention Angel 1 well that was the thing I was like I, I was like yeah I know I know <laughs> two weeks in a row they've they've dangled Angel, Angel 1 at us uh, as they did as I say Naked Now but this was just so obviously fascination like there was yeah. such no it was we yeah we picked the right one done it. Oh, Sarah, definitely. Oh, but I just feel like 
I feel like the spectre of Angel One's just hanging over us and we're going to have to come to it at some point. <laughs> Next time they reference Angel One, no matter what the, app, the fuck else they talk about, unless it's like everything it, in the rest of the episode. You, you, can't, you can't say that because you Lord can't, you're doesn't right. work that way. I no, know, it I doesn't. Know. I'm, trying, I'm trying to bring... Um, like, you're trying to bring how to do it, aren't you? <laughs> It's lower decks. Like you can't beat lower decks. Like every time you go, oh well, we'll definitely do that if they mention that one. Then lower decks just sweeps on your ass. And and again, I want them to sweep me on my ass with loads of references. I want us to be fine for which one is the best one out of all the ones they've referenced. Yeah, it's so good. I want one of those episodes. A bit like the Voyager one, like you say. That was a. I, you need more. I wonder if part of it is because they went in so fast fire with them early that it gets harder to reference the ones they haven't referenced. Yeah, maybe like, like they've run out. Well, not that they've run out, but I know what you mean because they've done so many of them. Because the some of the earlier episodes, they're referencing literally every t- 10, 20 seconds of mm-hmm. another episode. I don't want another one of those. I do. I just, I don't. I think they're good enough. I don't know if they changed some of the writers this season because some of them did have a different feel. It was all like great. Apart again, last week's we all agreed was slightly lesser like we've done with other ones but yeah we need another voyager kind of sell one they did at the beginning of the season they're just so good when they just go for it they yeah they are i've heard we might be getting a, a ds9 or a ds9 adjacent episode this season so i'm looking forward to that if that's the case i like a next gen one i i like let's i love ds9 we all love ds9 but we're covering a lot of DS9 we are, it's true. Of time. Mm. So it would be nice to... Yeah, I just meant for fun, I'd like to see a DS9 heavy episode, not necessarily we, for episodes well, we that a, we're covering. We have, we have had an episode set on DS9. Yeah, like a season ago. I feel like we've had DS9 quite quite well, or like as in central to DS9, not a story from DS9, as it were. Yeah. I think we've done that quite well with uh, Voyager. I, don't, I can't think of many next generation ones. TOS mm. we've definitely done. And we had like the, especially with them. Go, I know it's Strange New Worlds, but Strange New Worlds and TOS do have some crossover with the Enterprise and everything. So I think next gen seems like the one which is covered the least at the moment. Yeah, and Maybe true. also Enterprise, for instance, just to do something different, just to cover something like really heavily that we haven't. Yeah. I mean, maybe not Enterprise. Anyway. No, no, no. I want a Daniels special one. Oh, from the, guy the Daniels who wrote the quiz episode. Yeah. We'll do that. I mean, by the way, we loved the quiz. It was great and everything. But the guy had like three or four questions about Daniels. No one's ever asked that many questions about Daniels. Nope. Ever, no. Any quiz Especially ever. not the writers of Enterprise. So. <laughs> yeah. And we're not dissing, <laughs> as I say, just want to be clear, we're not dissing that, but it's just, it's just fun. No, it, it was a choice to have so many yeah. Daniels-centric questions. Choice. That's the word I want. Anyway, choice. so I enjoy the little detail we get. Um, I'm not sure who Facebook user is, but a one-off uh, full the DS9 like, zone would be good, or TNG. Yep. Normally, Facebook user is Emma. And we all know Emma just loves Star Trek. We do, it's true. And she just wants another Moopsie one if it's. We'd all <laughs> welcome another Moopsie one. We would, we would. Um, she yeah. loves Moopsie like no one loves Moopsie. She, she loves Moopsie. So, Henry's very really talented at making things, so next yeah. time I see her, I'm expecting to see him. Oh, a flamboyant moopsy. I was going to say it's going to be a flamboyant moopsy. It's yeah. got to be. She loves yeah. cross-playing with flamboyant uh, potatoes, which, if you don't know that, well, I'm sorry. I'm not There's something saying. wrong with you. You're not yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey! <laughs> How to say it's you without saying it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out that Cations used to eat Betazoids and uh, Dr. Tana gives this look as the Betazoids go past sort of licking her lips. Which I thought yeah. that was really good fun. <laughs> it's the fact they just crack it, like having a crack about it. Yeah. Oh, you used to eat us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we only have synthetic Betazoids <laughs> now. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Yeah, and the the sort of main through line, I suppose, character-wise, is Talyn uh, trying to get reassigned back to her own ship, which, I'd, I'll be honest, I'd forgotten that was a thing, and it's kind of resolved within the space of this episode anyway, so... I do like that it resolved it, that Yeah. Thing. 
she in her own way she finds that she's in a happy place and somewhere yeah. that appreciates her. Well, two things I did think, like where, where, where I was talking about references, this was almost felt like a very subtle Data's Day reference. It felt a bit Data's Day mm, in its format. Yeah. And also, there was something I meant to say when we were saying about like the uh, the episodes we could have covered. It also felt weirdly like it was a weird kind of reference to the fact that sometimes in the next generation, if you watch them back, they had two very similar episodes back to back thematically because they were just churning them out to get to the episode count. So sometimes they accidentally had two like Data heavy episodes back to back. And it's weird how many the similar references there were it's like it's like, like this would be the most writery in joke ever to have two hmm. similar kind of themed episodes even though they're very different just so like a writer somewhere will punch the air with joy so i like to think they've done that even though probably not it's probably just in my head because this is what lower decks does to you it makes you just overthink to the point where it's like is that a reference is that something but i actually think there's a that writer's room uh obviously all heavy star trek geeks and they're all going right easter eggs what can we do what yeah. can we do mm. oh and, god yeah and they're working on that so you you're probably not far off the mark <laughs> i don't know i don't, i think at that point i was going it's like that's crazy but is it but is it you don't know it's like it's like guessing bob mortimer or would i lie to you you just don't yeah. ever know <laughs> yeah like this episode we really have three stories going on yeah we have what's happening with the Betazoids and all the emotion stuff. We have Talan finding that she's right for the ship. Mm-hmm. And we also have Boiler and the security people trying down and letting find a bit of air balancing himself. And, and I really like, I, like, I love what they do with Boiler. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what they're doing straight from the beginning, but it's still great. Like, it's obvious that this is going to c- come good and he's going to be ungrateful for them doing different stuff and he's going to, but it's going to miss my oggy into something really, you know, useful yeah. tradition. You'll know it's all going to happen, but it's just so nice like, and it's so well played. And it's the way they build up Shaps to be like, so in the first series, he's really off with them. All you see is him on duty and being really strict. But yeah. as you get to know someone, you feel like that's a genuine well, kind of take on his character yeah, that yeah. He, he shows that when other side of him to them. When he's on duty, he's on duty. When he's on duty on the bridge, his security officer is on duty looking after the ship. And, like, let's do, do the Bible story. Yeah. Well, can I just... Shall we first? Because then to we that. don't have to jump back and forward. No, yeah. I was saying let's do the whole Bible no, story. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I was just going to follow what you were saying because it's like... Um, I agree with that, but also I think it's like he would only show them that side of him once he trusts him. So he trusted Rutherford, so he started letting him in. Then he got to know the others through him. And it's like, so it's kind of, it's organic in the show as well as in the narrative. Yeah. To show him being angry, it, then show him being soft. It was like, it's like uh, when he starts getting close to them, he calls them baby bear. And he calls yeah. them yeah. baby bear straight away. And that's how he started with Rutherford when he was. Yeah. Let Rutherford into his little fold. And Rutherford's <laughs> one who goes, hey, I think we should let him in on that. <laughs> you know, it's great. Well, well, Rutherford's, we've got an emergency. We've got a, one, a code, special code for you. <laughs> I'm wondering oh, if it, maybe it was his encounter with the celestial koala that changed him and opened him up a little bit. I don't think, I don't think it was. I think, it, I think we're getting the different sides of his character. Yeah. yeah. Shown, like, I do love how... You, they're doing charades and playing games and all that. And Byron's just not getting it. And they keep doing stuff. And then he sees them at the jump interaction and he's sort of like, what's going on? He goes, look, we're security. Our job is to look after the crew. And that includes their mental well-being. That's an <laughs> element your, of it. <laughs> That I, I really did like that element of the story. I, I that it's it. like I the security looks brilliant. out for the well-being of the crew as well as the yeah. the physical well-being just, of the crew. I really, yeah, really like that. The, we look, and I don't know if this is like. In fact, I don't think it's a standard security thing. But I like to think that it's uh, Shaq's where that he does security. He looks at it. Yeah, I'm here. And let's remember, he also comes from a very religious background because he's true because he's a uh, Bijan. So they have that sort of thing. So it makes sense that he's thinking about people's physical, spiritual, and mental well. Yeah, he's thinking about their power. Yeah. And yeah. I did have thought it was brilliant how he did it for Boimler there. And he just, no, you've got to be 
imbalance of everything. You're getting stressed out. I'm here to calm you down. <laughs> yeah, and, and we all know when we've had those moments when we've uh, probably been more of a prick than we need to be, like about, oh, I don't see the point of this, and then later you see the point of it and you realise you've been a prick. Like, you're not trying yeah. to do it on purpose, but you act like yeah. it. And it just, yeah, I just really felt that from him. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, you're going to feel so embarrassed when you realise they're helping you. I was like, really willing him to stop being yeah. a prick because of how embarrassed he'd be later. I knew they'd be cool with him, but I knew he'd, yeah, he'd get to that moment and just, oh, shit. I enjoyed the Digger Tarot reading as well, that it's like, well, it doesn't actually mean that. It means more of a, a transition. rebirth in Bible's there. What is is that? What Ed Ricard is just rebirth? <laughs> well, it pretty much is. We people. Like... <laughs> well, I think it's our because you've got very uh, how to put this. People who are actually sort of into what tarot is properly have reinterpreted what the cards mean to make it all nice and good. Mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe also i feel like in this one it was definitely having a pop at terror i'm not gonna like pretend that wasn't the case but i think there was also a side to it whereby think about all the things they're doing are things that get mocked like you know if you some do slam poetry if you do art if you do jigsaws or yeah. whatever some people mock you for, for oh you're going to save space are you which has become a sort of like poison term because people mock it. But I feel like this was all about things you do to kind of like calm yourself, center yourself. Boiler was playing. I think. Think. I think. I think Boiler felt like was kind of like being the voice of that. Like unintentionally, he was being the dick. He was being the voice of that. And then you saw, well, because they calm themselves because they sent themselves, they were better at their job. Yeah. So I think it was kind of an answer to people being a dick about people just wanting a bit of kind of like peace and serenity. Yeah. I love my me time at times. It's like I'll say, I, mean, I had planned to have the entire weekend to just me this weekend from leaving work Friday to going back to work on Monday. As it happens, one of our friends is coming over Saturday and has said I'd go for a drink and a meal. And I'm quite happy to go for a drink and a meal, but it's, um, I've changed my me time plan. I, I plan. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to that this weekend, but then someone said, "It's like I've got free tickets to my comedy gig. Like it's a um, comedy competition. That's a friend of mine is comedian, and it's like, of course, I'm not going to miss that. That's going to be great. Free yeah. tickets. Of course, I'm going to be all over that. But I was like, I was going to, I was going to sort out my room this weekend, and it's like I'm really sad that I can't sort out my room. Well, I, feel I, so don't, I don't care. I'm getting all the vinyl on the sub whatever this weekend. <laughs> Nice. Me and Vinyl have got an appointment and not in a kinky way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's not in the kinky way, I'm not watching the video then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the, the the other plots sort of intertwine with each other, don't they, to Lynn and the Betazoids. So, um, I think who we're guessing ever loved this part with Vinyl as well. <laughs> love the potion. potion. They can be oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a nice touch. And, yeah, so the Betazoids turn up. They're the partying Betazoids. They've been having a well, good time on Angel One. They're off to Riser. They were fun. Uh, who did the voices? I, I forgot to I'm look it up. I'm not sure, to be honest. I didn't look at it, to be honest. There was one particularly who sounded like uh, this really random reference which won't help anyone identify it. There was one who sounded like uh, one of Frasier's many different love interests from the... the from right. And I can't even picture which episode it was, but I know it, she was in one of the episodes. It, and just the voice sounded like her. Strangely enough, because uh, is it the new season of Fraser just starts this weekend? Very it's soon, weekend. yeah. So it's quite possible, seeing as it is the same company, that they may have had one of his ex-girlfriends in the studio and got them to do a voice bit of voiceover. Could well be. I mean, actually, I'm talking about from no, right back not, in the day, you know. No, but like, you know when you start thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh God, if it was Shelley Long or someone, I go. There's a chance that she's going to guest appear. Or a bit, yeah, I mean, Neb Nebworth. Um, yeah, for someone or Newworth. Uh, sorry, I forget what I'm saying. But uh, if it was one of them, it would definitely be. Or oh, maybe they're going to walk across the aisle. This was one person from one random episode, so probably not. Exactly. This is completely <laughs> off topic. Sorry, but um, what's annoyed me is seeing some like American social media reaction to the Fraser revival. Like, oh, oh, it's good that that English actor Nicholas Lindhurst's getting a big role. Like, go away. 
Like, yeah, thank God he's getting a break. He's never done anything. Like, he, he, he's no never been in a, a huge comedy program before. He's never been in uh, several huge comedy exactly. programs before. Exactly. So go away. Nicholas Linder's fine. I'm oh, sure he'll be good in Frasier, but he was fine before. Don't wor- What I'm saying is, if you're in America, don't worry about Nicholas Lindhurst, all right? He's fine. All I'm going to say is that watch. there's a lot of the uh, British actors where they go over to America, they do say it's like uh, uh, Robert um, Llewellyn uh, uh, Crichton. He said yeah. about doing the reboot of uh, the American version of Fred Dwarf. He said it's like, oh, the difference between, and I've seen, heard similar stories, but again, the difference between working in the UK and working over in America is like, in, in the UK, it's like, right, shoot that scene. Right, go over there to do that. Right, we're going to be with him. Just get on with that. Like, uh, way over there. And then in America, it's like... Um, Oh, here's the buffet, and there's your trailer. Like, um, if you wouldn't mind, if you like, there's a hot tub for you, and yeah, do this, and and you go. Oh, if you wouldn't mind, we we just would it would it be all right if you just delivered a couple of lines quickly? Then we'll let you go back to whatever you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you can go yeah. back to the buffet for whatever. Well, if it's not too much hassle, could you do just a second take, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so probably Nicholas Lindhurst did enjoy the experience. <laughs> it was probably all right for work. Yes, exactly. Um, so the whole thing is they think they're at Xanthi fever, which is what lead, leads us to our next episode. Well, um, but it but isn't. Like they, they go around, yeah, but they go around like we have the whole scene, everyone going mad. Yeah, yeah. Like, they all in... I don't know what we call it, because it's not 10 forward. No, it's like the mess forward. or something. In the mess, the mess bar that they've got. And... I don't know if you've noticed that she's appeared a couple of times as a background character. We've not had a speaking line yet. But there's a, a last with there's one of the female characters with a Habib on. All right. Oh, cool. And this is, I think this is second or third time she's appeared. And it's triggering people. Really? Yes. And <sighs> I just want to say to all those people triggered that they've seen her Habib, Fuck off. Get the fuck over it. No, no. I think that's my, my, my thumbs up is like, if you're triggered by that, like, not like I'm celebrating them doing that, but if you're triggered, this, just enjoy yeah, it. Enjoy being triggered. That's the most. I mean, yeah, that's the triggered, l- like, ludicrous. Like, there's, there's basically been two or three camps in this. So there's the purists who are going, you can't have the babe. Because Gene Roddenberry, when he first started doing TOS, said there's no religion in the future. Well, we've well gone past that because we've had Space Jesus from Cisco. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, and, and already Great Bird of the Galaxy. What? Because yeah. it's their own made-up religion, that's okay. That's uh, TOS. But then the ones that annoy me are the ones that are the right-wing viewers who can't understand why they watch Star Trek and that you can't show, like, the Muslim Habib and all that. It's like... Fuck off. Representation. It's like, just ridiculous. Especially how some of the thing especially how some of the things are going. Especially what's happened in the UK at the Tory conference this week. And the silly bitch who went over to America as well last week and did a speech. Putting this on that yes, we do support full representation is important. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you've got to say even though Roddenberry was forward thinking, I'd love to think that if someone talked to him about it now and explained why representation is important, saying that religion doesn't exist in the future to gloss well, over it is well, not including people. That's it. That's kind of going, oh, well, don't worry. It won't be a problem in the future. You won't be a problem. It's kind of erasing someone from history. I, know, I well, don't this, think that was his intent, but... No, this is now a point of view. I thought that, yeah. that would be all be atheist in the future, but that isn't going to happen. But I, I'm saying I feel like he would have evolved to realise that that's yes, would I agree. I think it's probably more and a case. My, and that's my rant. With Roddenberry. I was waiting for Elliot to throw the glass down for a second there. I mean, with Roddenberry specifically regarding um, the clothing and thing, it's probably just that it's too many clothes for his female characters, why he didn't want that sort of thing <laughs> represented on. Um, but yeah. An article about like um, sci-fi and uh, neurodiversity. I said it's like the thing was like yeah, there was pretty good uh, representation apart from obviously the short skirts for the women. But by the time of the next generation, the men were wearing skirts on the bridge. Huzzah! Yeah, for one episode. 
Yeah, for one, well, the, one season. One the season actors were, yeah, just the background guys, though. The the, the actors were True. not immensely keen. But oh, you know on. what? You none, never know. none of the central core characters <laughs> wore them ever. <laughs> like, they're always kind no. of in the background. But but you saw one shot of one of one of the guys in skits going to the uh, the stations at the front. like You did? Yeah, you absolutely yeah. did. That was to highlight it. And the past that, it was all in the background. And then it turns out that the Betazoids... Solidarity Revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns out the Betazoids are not, in fact, uh, got the Xanthi Vida. But not only that, they're actually a secret spy troop. And it all goes Charlie's Angels for a minute. I, I keep missing what the abbreviation is that they use for the Betazoid Secret Service. Yeah. But I did love that they just uh, whipped off the skirts. I thought that was very Book's face. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of also, sorry, just because uh, I forgot it before, I also love the fact that one of them's hitting on Mariner. Like, uh, sorry, Mariner's mum, uh, the captain. Uh, yeah. Freeman. Freeman. It's because they've got different names. For some reason, that messes with my head, and I'm already bad at the names. But anyway, uh, Freeman, yeah, I do love the fact that one's hitting on It's like, she goes, like, oh, well, I did do something with my hair. I got a hot fucking mom. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And then when you've got the showdown, like, you've got the other ones, uh, obviously, under the fever, being, like, uh, wiped out by these... Um, Betasoid ladies very quickly and then you've got the Vulcan and she kind of like just t- hits the stance she holds them off for a few seconds it's it's nice really to see her. yeah but that- she's a Vulcan and she's also not affected so it's nice to see her kind of get yeah. a few more moves in that was well done I thought yeah I just like that it just all I went did like, I did like that they had a um, can we call them lipstick lightsabers I think we can yeah <laughs> Yes, I know they weren't quite as swishy in that, but it's how they had the lipsticks that took the lipsticks out and next they had the buttons. I mean, I did see lipstick use a weapon. I thought, oh, I don't see the other song and Sarah Jane. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. Um, so, yeah, it, it again ties in the plot, like this ship, the mysterious ship that we've got. And it's been sort of skirted around the main plot, but this is bringing it in more and more now. And I like the way... Yeah. I like the way that they're using that as sort of a backbone to build the season around, but it's not taking it over. Have you noticed that we've only had um, three openings before the credits, Hmm. and each one has been the alien ship attacking someone else? So... But this is the first episode where we haven't had that opening where they're attacking someone, where it's being mentioned, and it's that there's another secret service that knows about it, and Dreamin knows about it, the radio silent because of it. Well, we actually sort of picked up on this last week, because even though they did have it at the beginning, they tied into plot more with the... Uh, yeah. Um, Andorra? Uh, sorry, Ryan's. And yeah. then this week, they move it a bit further away, but put it in the plot a bit more centrally, but in a different way. Yeah. So I think they, it's a wonderful job they've done on building it, like you're saying, Jim. And to me, I sort of, like, it does make me think it's like, maybe Discovery could have done that with their last season and it might have been a lot better. They could have had some standalone episodes which built into the story, whereas it was all about the story which wasn't that compelling and very similar to the story before for me, because it yeah. was about a big anomaly in space, which they'd done the season before. Maybe they needed to a bit more of this treatment on the last thing. I really hope they stick the landing on on Discovery. I do as well. Uh, I but hope yeah, that. I think I think this would have been better for that actually. Now watching this, like they like this is really clever how they're doing it, and I think they're gonna nail this. Yeah, I don't. It's think not intruding like on the the main story. It reminds me a little bit of how um, Buffy used to do its story acts, like for the. For the first half of each season, you'd have largely standalone episodes, but they'd have sprinklings of whatever's going to be the main thrust of it. And then gradually, as you got further into the season, the episodes had become more and more about it until usually the last five or six episodes were more or less serialised. And it was a really good model of doing a TV season. And that seems to be where we're going with, with Lower Decks this time. Um, like uh, to be fair, they did this with the Packwoods as well. They did. Uh, I feel like this really is more overt than that. But I think that 
they've already established that they're quite good at building a story arc mm-hmm. for the season to a crescendo. Yeah, but I think this is the most masterful. It's almost like, like you say, Elliot, they've kind of, uh, they've learned how to do this from other seasons and then they've done it perfectly. Like they've yeah. learned how to do it just seamlessly and so clever writing. Um, does, it's anybody, nice. yeah. does anybody want to expand on my uh, guesses for my predictions no i'm not really no i'm i'm happy to let it play out i mean that is the risk of doing something like this is that if you're teasing it and teasing it it's gonna have to live up to it when we get there now but i do have confidence in these writers that it will so i'm I'm not worried to be fair to be fair did we ever think the packlets were ought to be a big baddie I think I, I I can't remember my exact theory. I think it was a bit more drawn out before, but I I, I think I've got an idea like the the whale probe might be involved. It, it, for some reason, I've just got a, a bit of a vibe with that. Yeah, I've said that. But I, I think there was. A, I think I have another theory, but I can't remember it right now. <laughs> what I do want to say is, what's clever about this? Because the backlit one ended up with the Klingons were the ones pulling the mm-hmm. strings of it. This has been really clever. To make sure that it's not going in that direction by slowly attacking all the main and normal antagonists. Yeah. Although when when the ship, because the ship was kind of like um, it was sort of stand upright, wasn't it? When we saw it. Yeah. When, yeah, but it moves and then it goes like that to fire. When it was stood up, the only thing I it made me think of, and I don't know if this leads to anything, but it made me think of those little bots they've got on Discovery. Little bots which stand up. Oh, and fly yeah. Well, yeah. if you think about it, the whale probe at the end of Star Trek Four, it's all all the way through has been like that, and then yeah. it moves like that. It does do it that does. action. So I was wondering if it was have, maybe a And it does thing. have the bright, blinding white light, and it did take out an entire planet's defences just with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll find out. We're halfway through the season. Icon- or it could be Iconians. But I, I feel like, I, I mean, I, I, would, I, I think your theory is brilliant, Elliot, but I sort of hope, because I think they've written it so well, and I think that it's going to be something just like, if, even if you touch on some of it, or we touch on some of it, I don't think it's going to be exactly what we think, which is great, because there's yeah. so many of these where you well, guess it early. I, al- ruins I it. also, well, I think what I said last week where Not I expanded you. on it, where oh. I think it could be evil boiler involved with Section mm-hmm. 31. That'd be great. In wheelship technology. All right, you know what I hope it is, and this is a a bit of a deep cut. Um, the horror author Robert Block wrote a few episodes for the original series. I think he did three, um, and in each episode that he did, he had a reference to the old ones uh, because he was a big H.P. Lovecraft fan, and he just wanted to drop in this little thing. But canonically, there have been three references to a mysterious old ones in the Star Trek universe. And I think that would be a magnificent sort of deep cut reference to go, this is who the old ones were. Well, I always thought the old ones were the Iconians. Well, you could say that, but we've never had it confirmed. Uh So, (laughs) yeah, we go. That's my pick. I want it. I want it to be the old ones. Um, let's move on to DS9 it's then and see feature. some see some real Xanthi fever are we not this gonna time. Finish, are we not going to finish it off this episode out the lovely part at the end? What lovely part? Like at the when end? the fight, when the like when the the security come in and take back over, but the beta's like to take them to beta's head. And they've headed a course straight through neutral zone. Oh, yeah. They're just about to cross the line when they take back over. And you have the Romulan ship that's cloaked and damn. Yeah, and then they say... What did you think? Let's go and look over there now. Yeah, let's go and look over (laughs) there instead. I enjoyed that. Because it was one of those things that... Not so much TOS, but TNG... Every time they cross the neutral zone, there is a Romulan warbird there waiting for them. Always. It's like, how the... Always, how the fuck... It's massive. (laughs) It's hundreds of light years across. They haven't got that many ships to be... (laughs) 
Do you know the only way they could have made it better to to be a next generation reference if it was someone else said it to the captain goes like uh, so shall we go over like over there Captain Tomalock and he just gives yeah him that would have been the, good. Yeah, dead like because it was always Tomalock like in nine out of ten of the episodes it was Tomalock it was often Tomalock because <laughs> all Tomalock did was just hang out in the neutral zone wait for Picard to show up pretty much hello, hello Hazel Jackson 12. hello Hazel welcome aboard. So, the episode Fascination, then. And I remember this episode being funnier than I thought it was this time. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Edit, I'll let you go first, because I've got a bit on this. It isn't funny at all. I think it was meant to be funny. I think it was. But, uh, obviously, whoever were the comedic writers on the team, that were to put jokes and funny scenes in, took the week off. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Episodes, and they weren't good at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a sort of screwball comedy element to it, but I think it takes too long, really, to get to that, and it doesn't lean into the fast completely, so it doesn't land it even when it yeah. does get there, so... Well, they're on the same lot as Frasier, which was, I think Frasier was filming at the stage. You could have done, like, the, Frasier wrote fast so well. You should have brought in some writers from there. But anyway, regardless of that, I thought that, first of all, the, uh, I, I accidentally, I, I told you guys, I accidentally watched the wrong Loxana episode to begin with. And I was like, oh, shit. Which so one did you watch? I watched the first one and it was great. Uh, it was like, <laughs> like there was such a shit B storyline with the puppy or and C storyline with Bashir and the diplomats. All yeah, yeah, I remember. The storyline between Odo and Loxana was electric. He yeah. was such a dick, but you knew it's because of his painful past and all that. And being in the situation where he had to be intimate <laughs> with someone, like he had to let his guard down. And she was always so like, look, I don't, you don't have to say a word to me, but I'm going to talk to you. And you knew that was her way of making him feel more comfortable. Um, and it was so well written. And then mm -hmm. I saw this one. It's like, and they just reset Odo to being a complete dick to her. When <laughs> they built up this relationship, it really, I, I felt hurt for her. And at the end where she kisses him and says something nice. And then all through the episode, he's just been an arsehole. After they've already met. Like the first time you can understand yeah. she's paying him some slack and knows his kind of history. Second time, he's just an arsehole. And I don't want Odo to be that. No. And my main theory, which I'm going to give on this episode, I'll give you very quickly. I'm sorry. I know I'm jumping a bit. To, I don't want to, Jump us ahead of where we are. That's all Very good. quickly. I think this was written. I don't know who the writer was, but it was written by a guy who's just gone through a messy divorce with his ex. Because what's happened is, at the beginning, Keiko comes back to the station, instantly being a dick to O'Brien. Like, she is written, and she's always written. I feel so bad yeah, for um, Rosalind uh, Chow. Because she's such a great actor. And she's always written to be so bitchy and shitty. But then you've got, like... O'Brien then suddenly starts going, he's like, well, put him in a red dress, which I like, as soon as she's got out of the shuttle. So he's being a dick. But I feel like he's written that in, so it's his defense for why he was a dick for saying, like she said, he's a dick for saying that. He's going, oh, I just want you to wear something nice to go out with. <laughs> and, then, and then she gets really unreasonable and she starts going, it's like, oh, well, you make the decision after she just said she doesn't want to go out. And it's like, it's it all seems like he's acting out his own relationship shit. So then yeah. when they're out later, and it's like, Quark, I, I get the thing is Brian, the guy who she left him for. And like, she's uh, like, Quark's coming up, like hitting on her, but she really loves him. So she's not going to be bothered with him. And even the bit where it's like, um, and the, it's, it's an argument, by the way, amongst a married couple, which you might have at any point, him which is really extreme. And then he has that scene at the door where he basically goes, oh, quit my command. I'll do whatever you say. I will give up my whole life. I just want to be with you, which is kind of sweet, but it's like as if she's just said you're dumped when they've been married for years and they just had an argument. Yeah. And then she goes, oh, let me think about it, bitch. He just, just offered to resign. Again, it seems like he's been told that. It's like, oh, let me think about it, meaning that she's leaving him because they've got a worse relationship than O'Brien and uh, Keiko. And then in the end, uh, she like just swoons over him and says, take back the thing. I love you, really. And for some reason, his kid doesn't love him because the kid just goes like, oh, you look after mommy. Yeah, cheers, dad. Bye. Kid goes, no, no re reaction to him whatsoever in that scene. Yeah, well, so she's I, seen, I think this has got a writer is this, acting is this, out his messy divorce in a Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, sorry, Deep Space Nine plot. 
Is this after the kid in the time hole or after? This is before that, long before that. Right, right. she's maybe just had a premonition because of the time hole. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I think you you summed up the O'Brien plot thread perfectly there. I mean, I, d- I don't think I've got a lot to add to that. I but I will I echo... acting like dicks, but it feels like he's acting like, oh, no, it's right for saying this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will echo what you said, though, about the, the actress is really underserved because Keiko is not a good character, not well written, could have been... And Could have been an awesome character. Quite often, it is just this. She's there to nag O'Brien, and yeah, that's it. It's, it's almost like the one that they <laughs> used to drive him towards uh, Bashir. Yeah. But it's like you said, she's, a amazing, she's one of the few examples in DS9 of a badly written character. Yeah. I'll, I'll also add... I have not looked up the actor, the, sorry, the writer's name. If it is a female writer, I will give you 50 pounds. Like, oh. you'll have to split between you, but 50 quid, because I will guarantee this was written by a guy. It's just so. I think like, you can almost guarantee that, but. Um... but no, no, like, I mean, most of the writers of Deep Space Nine were guys, uh, but I think this one really shines as a, a guy who doesn't get women, <laughs> just quite frankly. Yes. It just really it feels like that. And it's all very... uh, You could argue that they're sort of leaning into it and trying to do a pastiche, but it's all very sort of schoolyard, everyone's got a crush on everyone sort of thing, which could have been funny, but... Badly written. Well, it's sort of like it's very deep down and subconscious, and it's... Mm. Maybe not so much as a crush. It's probably could be just the affection that you have towards. Oh yeah, I meant that it, the effect of the Xanthi fever makes them act like that. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. it's implying that everybody's. Um, so I, my rant then. I want to talk about Vedic burial. Well, I don't really, but and you said Keiko's possibly the worst written character in DS Nine. I'd I'd put Vedic Burial up there. He is just. Yeah, but the, uh, before you start, can I just say they did realise what they'd done? Yeah, they did. And killed him. They did. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of his very last appearances, thankfully. Um, but he he is just so so dull. And it's awful. It's firstly just as a character in and of himself. He's just a wet blanket. He's just so completely dull. And I think what they were going for is... is the, I think they were trying to get across that he's got this Zen sort of almost Buddhist vibe because of his religion. But it doesn't work. He just comes across as dull as dishwater. And the fact that we're expected to believe that someone as interesting and dynamic as Kira would fall in love with this guy... It's just completely unbelievable. May I, may I just just inject? Because I, I agree with you, but I feel like his earlier episode, like his first episode, where he's kind of like, he is being that Zen against, when he's against Wynn and she is such a bitch, and then her, his Zen, I think actually played quite well. In the last episode, mm-hmm. where basically Wynn is killing him and he's still wanting to do it for the right of the people. I think actually when you've got those two together, his character works. It's just when he's on his own, there's nothing to add. There's, there's nothing to, to develop play. him. It's almost like the like what they got with uh, him and Wayne. I think and so. the like what they're able to, and I think I agree with you there, it does work him and Wayne. I'd with go the, with yeah. sort with really of good. sort <laughs> of works. But it's almost like the thought, right, let's shoehorn him in to more shows because we like what we got there. This this Well, it good. certainly then, wasn't because him and, and then, and then the shoehorning in hasn't worked. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the the observed incredible on-screen chemistry between him and Nana Visitor because, like, it, this guy has no chemistry with anyone. Which brings me on, like, to the actor. Like, it, even <laughs> if the part is underwritten, it is not played well. Right. He, <laughs> I didn't. Sorry, I wanted to, on your point. I want to ask a question. Okay, okay. Uh, just the chemistry bit. 
because I I noticed actually. Now you say that, it just sprung to my mind. A lot of the scenes they have them having sexy time is like their way of them showing their relationship. Do you think they did that because they felt the chemistry wasn't strong enough without it? To your point. Possibly, maybe. Or maybe they just thought it was incredibly sexy having this guy just talk in the most boring <laughs> terms where he's like, oh, well, maybe we won't go to the Gratitude Festival and we can just stay here. Oh, me and you used to play racquetball. And, and then it's like, right, Philip, we want you to, to really look, make it look like You've um, like, you've fallen in love with Dax now. Oh, I'm really in love with Dax now. <laughs> no, and then they bring him back as the mirror version of him, where he's meant to be like this rogue, and he's like, oh, I'm from the mirror universe. I'm rogue. Can, can I just say, did you both see what I put on them? The geek. I did. Yeah. Me. So I think we're answering that. When is it okay to beat up a clergyman? <laughs> no, I missed this. What is this? I missed it. Well, you, you know, every week I, I I put a link in to the to the gate group. We go yeah. live in thirty minutes. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. this this week is when we discuss when is it okay to beat up a clergyman. <laughs> I'd say 10 minutes before this episode started. Actually, before that shuttle set off from Bajor, just beat him up, chuck him out at shuttle, and we wouldn't have had to see him. Jim's there beating the shit out of him. I'm going, I thought you were right when you, you were up against Wen. That's just me, can, though. She can does I just not say, Can I just say, Emma is being very mild of a criticism. Yeah, he was bland. <laughs> he was bland. Um, but even I when he's up against, job for Moops, <laughs> even when he's up against Win, he's just like, oh no, Win, I don't think you should do that. The prophets I, won't I like, like it. But I'm gonna. I a lot better in that. I think I'm gonna. Better I'm gonna teach Kira against... to build a wall. Ooh. I think it was a lot better against Win with the sort of good. Yes, there was. Ball. There was a little bit. There. Jim, when you plan to see a wall being built, and it was for the for, for the good guys. Come on. It's usually the the wind character is building the wall. If they'd have built yeah. a wall around just, him and just left him there, normally, that'd have been it's normally, people, it's normally the orange man who's tried to build walls. That's true. Yeah. 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 The walls going to save Cardassia from those those lion bajorans. <laughs> oh, my hat's not in reach. Oh, <laughs> never mind. So, still, just to to recap room. what actually goes on then. So, Luoxana fancies Odo. Which means Jake fancies Kira, Kira so, and Bashir what, fancy what each you? other, Quark no. fancies Keiko, Dax fancies Cisco. I think that's it all. Uh, sorry? Yes. And hilarity doesn't so, ensue, unfortunately. Uh, uh, and the only two that, that look like they've got chemistry naturally, is uh, Kiru and uh, Bashir. Which makes sense. At this point. <laughs> and they were genuinely all over each other. And you know what happened? They went home and they made a baby. They that, really did. I mean, not um, immediately after this episode, no, going by the, the timeline. It was very long pregnancy then. Birth. I've looked at... Yeah, it was very long. Well, Bajoran, but pregnancies are uh, long. Of course. Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Shut up. shut up. Shut up. You're ruining my point. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good Blarney on the spot. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, they should have been just... As they get... Went, as um, uh, Luoxana went past... They, there should have been just a random couple of people in the background doing the signature. Oh, I've got a headache. They all yeah. do this every time. It's like, do a different yeah. thing. Yeah. that bit. Like, I know you got a headache, but when you get a headache, does everyone go, oh, I've got a headache? Like, that was. It's like in the original. Se- oh, in fact, it's like in the Naked Time last week where every time somebody touched someone and passed it on, it sort of went. <laughs> now, <laughs> I. Now, that would have made a lot more sense to me if we got that little buzzy noise when a, a disease was passed on, because that was established in TOS that diseases, when they're passed on, buzz at you. True. That's how I know I have never had a disease ever in my life, because I have never heard that buzzy noise. Oh, uh, oh you got to be careful. Like, the buzzing noise could be a disease, or it could be some people who are working in a different speed of time from, from the original series. Could, you never know. Could just but be a buzzy noise. Just, 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 no, that's more of a bzzz. 
It's fast it is. people. You're right, it's a different noise. But it would have been great. Just, yeah, they walked past. <laughs> a couple of just random people went like that, and then suddenly they were all over each other. And back. Like, I, that's a comedy moment. That I must is, have, that's how you build up the fast and make it a bit more fun. I know it was silly in this... When we, when we look back at it now into the 60s, when they had the buzz every time you pass the disease on, but it was so that you got something to tell you it had happened. So, yeah, exactly. And... I, so, to me, there's... And that's been established in the Star Trek universe, so I can't see why they can't use that. They should have used that in Lower Decks when it was being passed Well, on. that would have worked. Definitely, yes. that would have worked. I, I'm just going to say, though, in the original series, if you'd, uh, if you'd had a buzz just before you got disease passed on, I believe that was Woodstock in the 60s. Mm. <laughs> what they should have done, actually, because... Obviously, it wasn't an artistic choice by the makers of Star Trek. That is how diseases were passed in the 60s. And as a society, we must have decided to drop them. If only we hadn't have done, we'd have got COVID sorted out a lot quicker. If we'd have known, there'd have been none of this two-meter rule, or it just... And we'd have known. If someone's coming down the street... (laughs) So we know really... Yeah. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't like any of these crazy conspiracy theories... It was time travel, at last, a sensible theory about uh, COVID-19. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, think there, I think there is a flaw or two, and a lot of shows at the time make this mistake of like, oh, my God, who's infected? Only the bridge crew. That's convenient. That's no true. Like you said, there should have been scenes where they're walking up the promenade and somebody's just got somebody else bent over one of them railings. and Ah, uh, railing them in every sense. Rail- exactly. At least it had, uh, yeah, it had sold it a little bit more. Um and yeah another thing that they you wouldn't have done at the time but probably would do now which might make it more interesting is they could have had same sex attraction going on here um let's let's be fair to ds9 ds9 was one of the early shows to do same yeah yeah and and it got a lot of stick for it but ds9 did actually do do that and you did not get that on TV at this time. No, not much. Especially not on on a prime time TV show. Even Ira Stephen Bear, in a way which was sort of like a persona ass, but he did admit in the uh, What We Left Behind documentary, he goes mm. like, we're assuming that I'd give us a tick for this. And they go, hey, how about a tick for being LGBTQ inclusive? He goes, oh, well, I don't think we've earned that because when we did do it, we made it out to be a uh, trill thing. And it's like, it was all very set up, which kind of disempowered his Yeah. Because if you're going to own shit, own it in a serious way. He kind of like, he took the power away from him, kind of like owning up to his shit. Yeah, but which sort of annoyed me. It, but I do think he at least admitted that when they did do it, sometimes they could have just done it as a gay yeah. story, not in any excuse. No, it's in uh, oh, we met before when we were different. But when when they did it, when when they did it, when they did it in DS Nine, they did it how they could get away with it. Absolutely, no, that yeah. was a bit no. But uh, then you had Will and Greg done a gay relationship it was difficult it wasn't easy i'm not saying but yeah. i think we could have done it straight on you know what they should have done this would have been a good one like to make it a funnier episode odo gets oh, infected yeah but no i was gonna say odo gets it and he's odo attracted Mark. to quark and then for the rest of the show quark knows that odo actually quite fancies him oh where's garak while this episode's going on like, oh my god, Garak and Bashir could have totally fucked. It would have been great. Absolutely, they could have done. Oh. It, you see, they could have done so much more with it. But and anyway. And they could have walked away going, it's like, well, it's, it's only a lengthened attraction. And that's how you end this it. This is like, a good point from your Omega. Mm-hmm. Your Omega! And we're glad to see you again, your Omega. Nothing wrong with same sex. However, when you make the entire character most interesting characteristic, that they're gay, you've lost me. No, I agree, because it shouldn't be. That, like, yeah, right. Being that gay, should, should just be... No. Yeah. It's... It, should, it shouldn't be part of what the character is. If they're in a gay relationship, same sex, whatever, because I don't understand all the things, and everyone who knows me <laughs> knows I don't get it all. But... If that's all that your character is, yeah, that's, that's not wrong. That's not a character. But, but if you've got a, there's no reason 
that you couldn't have Odo having been attracted to Quark and all the way through it now, we know he has this latent tendency, but it just becomes a little tiny bit part of who he is. And especially the Ferengi, you know they're into some weird shit. Like, not the, the uh, same sex. I mean, as in, like, oh, a shapeshifter. Ooh. Like, I think that would be a kink. Oh, exactly. Too. And Quark would lord it over him and use it to his advantage. But, yeah. I, I also think, just to, while we're on this, it's like with the um, with the Discovery non-binary character. I know it's something which I read raised at the time. But I think in this day and age, there's no reason why you can't have a non-binary character just referred to as they, it's just there from the beginning. Because even when the time which uh, Discovery are from, we're meant to surely hope that uh, non-binary has just been normalized. It's not treated as any different. Whereas they go, it's like, actually, I like to be called a they. And they go, oh, and they go, oh, she, they actually like to be called they. And it's like, it's it's treated as in something different, which I think they kind of draw the ball for me on that. I know in the past they've done it through metaphor, but now you can say you should say you should treat it as if like the world you want to see in the world you believe it's going to be and i think now you could have done that even more strongly it's great that they got the first non-binary characters in um in star trek but i i just don't think they were quite as bold as they could have been perhaps not uh, but me, i think uh, it's a concession go on then discovery's biggest problems no no i'm just because it's it the doctor, not the engineer who died that's true. Oh, sorry, we're talking about, sorry, uh, Chief Engineer. Oh, sorry, I was just going to read out for anyone who's listening. Sorry. Can you just whack it back up? Yeah, Cosmo. For anyone who's on audio, uh, the Chief Engineer is a great engineer only because they are gay, but they did die and come back to life and no longer are gay. What the fuck, Discovery? Well, but, uh, I don't um, think that's right? an, an accurate assessment of the okay. events that yeah. go on because Culber does come back to life and... Him He's and not no He's just struggling. Yeah, He's there's no change yeah. to his sexuality whatsoever. Just, it's just that it takes them a while to rebuild their relationship following that. And, <laughs> and the neither character's sexuality is positioned as being the thing that makes them good at the job. So much as I, I think this is an interesting discussion to have, I I don't think that take on it is accurate. No, if anything, they actually made the gay character... I appreciate they made the engineer, the gay char- one of the gay characters, be a bit bullshit and unlikable to begin with. You had to learn to like him. And I think his uh, his husband in it made him a more relatable character. You got to learn how who he is as a, as a uh, man is private. Yeah. Life. They made him unlikable, which is kind of a bold move because usually if they do include uh, gay characters, a lot of the time because they want to represent, like they make them a nice character, which I kind of get why they do, but it was kind of great to have a gay character who could be a bit shitty. Like it was great to have a gay character who you didn't know if you liked to begin with, and then he won you over because he became more human. And that's why, not just because he was gay, but you saw him with someone who loved him. It didn't matter what gender yeah. they were. That's what humanized him. So I don't think it was the gay thing. It was, a, it was about humanizing that character when he first appeared like a craft shit. I just want to say here, your mega shapeshifter going both ways, that would be awesome. Watch Gen V. That's just started on Amazon. Oh, I need to watch that, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's probably time to wrap it up since we're talking about different shows and shows that aren't even in the Star Trek universe now. So there's not a lot to say about fascination, really. Wait, but it, it but is a- when is it okay to beat up a, a member of the clergy? Because we did say we'd answer... It's when they try it on with Cisco and your Dax who's trying to get on with him instead. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. There was just one more point, and I think it's really important to point out in this episode because it's something we don't get to see often <laughs> in Deep Space Nine. They've covered something really important, which we've completely missed. It's just really nice to see Dax wearing a low-cup top for a change. I mean, she doesn't usually, like, uh, like flaunt her body. Like, she's not usually painted in that way or anything as a good-time girl. So it's really good that they've really let free with her in this episode. Sorry, I just heard this is so fun. Like, I think it's a great character, and it's okay to have a sexually positive female character, but really, every chance they got, low cat drop, uh, top. Uh, yeah, they did do like that. Having a little bank while they were writing it, quite frankly. I'm sorry. Just... Uh, it is actually the same top that she wears in 
when she crossed the party. It is. Uh, when her and, her and uh, Wolf are about to get married. And I it's, yeah. Which is actually... have a different outfit in every scene. But, I, but I think that's really good continuity that they've kept that as a party dress. No, it's nice. It's nice. And also, yeah, as I say, it's like uh, they had this thing in Australia, I believe it was, where a newsreader purposely, he wore the same uh, suit for a year. No time this uh female news anchor wore the same dress like she wore it three times in a year or something ridiculous like, and they were so oh same dress out. is that all you got and and so he pointed out well i've just worn the same suit for a year just to make you look like a dick and it's all like it's the same thing it's kind of nice that at least they yeah. um she doesn't have to wear a different outfit every time to make her a, a, a proper female character or anything i will give you that but it's like it does seem like sometimes they um took a bunch of a good looks over giving him i don't know more more to, i mean she was wonderful she played it so well she made up for a lot of bad writing that's all i'm saying and maybe a bit sexualized uh, writing which wasn't necessary we have one comment from earlier mm-hmm. and this is an answer to you you're asking who played the uh ah, there we go Oh, brilliant. Uh, Wendy Malik. Wendy Malik, Rachel Dratch, I recognise the name. I'd have to look them up to see them though. But yeah, thank you. That's really great. I will look them up later. And yeah, we'll wrap it up there then. So next week we'll be back to talk about the next episode, uh, which I've, I've I've not been fully spoiled on, but I've, I've heard the episode title and it's an interesting one. I haven't. I haven't. I won't so say I, it here. Don't worry. I, I am doing my noble thing and... It's awful, like, I have to avoid so much social media nowadays because of Star Trek. I went two days from Sunday night to Tuesday night avoiding any spoilers for a wrestling event, and I think I did really, really well um, because it was a, a huge, big event and there was a twist at the end of it, and... Somehow, I actually managed to go in unspoiled 48 hours later, so I was very impressed with myself on to that be, one. To be fair, <laughs> when we went to um, Destination Trek, there was a um, Formula 1 GP that weekend. And I'm passionate about Formula 1 GP, and I managed to go all the way, and I got home and I hadn't seen a thing about it so I could watch all the practices. And there you go. And all the qualifying and all the racing. So, yeah. If it's important. If you want to. It's hard to find It is. Uh, so, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at Retrek Pod. You can email us retrekpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials. Elliot's got Retrek Model Studios going on on YouTube. I will be back at the bench this weekend. I have uh, some fun with uh, vinyl, as I hinted on earlier, planned. But it isn't going to be kinky, so you can watch. (laughs) And Squeeze muted. First First of all, Elliot, you know my rule. Unless it's kinky, I'm not watching. First up. But secondly, that should so be your opener to the show. It's like, hey, you're live with Elliot. I'm back at the bench. Like that, <laughs> back at the bench should be your catchphrase at the beginning of every episode. I'm just saying, you know. Well, next year, depending on how much I spend at Christmas, etc., and bonus again, I might be completely revamping my camera and i i'm on youtube as well kingy's toy box on youtube where we've been taking a bit of a detail we've been looking at dungeons and dragons recently uh so we've had some interesting discussions on there come and join us with that dr squee can also be found presenting the dr squee show tell us about what you've got going on there Yes, we've just had uh, about uh, four episodes. It's sort of a virtual month, so I started a bit into last month, and it's gone into this month a little bit, but not on purpose. But yeah, I've had like about a month's worth of kind of what I've called solo shows, just me talking to the audience, playing some tunes, having a good laugh. It's been really wonderful, but we're back with the interviews this week. So uh, tomorrow, actually, which is National Poetry Day, for anyone who's interested, I will be interviewing, um, let me get this name right, because this was an interview which came to me, so it's not someone I'd heard of before, but Jaspreet Kuro who uh, wrote the People's Poem for uh, National Poetry Day. They were like a, a very famous 
artist, poet, and spoken word artist. I'm sorry I've heard of them before because I've looked up their stuff and it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, but they've written the People's Poetry poem just especially for National Poetry Day. So we'll be talking about poetry and spoken word and uh, all the kind of little projects which they're doing to try and um, open people's eyes to poetry and stuff. So um, poetry day uh, ready on Tuesday. So uh, this will be. Also going out on the video at some point. I'll probably put it up on the same day. I, I, I'm sorry. It'll either go up tomorrow night or the same day as a radio show uh, because we're doing it tomorrow during the day and they record it their end and then send it to me. So um, it cool. will go up on YouTube at some point. Cool. So Thank thanks for trekking with us this time and we will see you next time on the retrack. Before you go, we have got an invitation. He will play D and D with you. Your mega says he'll play D and D. Okay, we'll sort that out at some point. <laughs> LLAP and Dragon. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>